Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Uh, my name is Brian Stone, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty. Joined again this week by Georgia State writer for the site, Zeke Palermo. Uh, Zeke, we had um, a little bit of news uh, come up as far as the, the conference goes. Some transfer portal stuff, uh, some notable names, but it's bowl season. Uh, bowl season kicks off officially this Friday uh, for the Sun Belt specifically. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to jumping in and talking about some of these games. Yeah, uh, especially especially this first game we're going to talk about. They're going to be fun games. And as you alluded to, not to spoil it, but we've got some transfer, uh, some transfer news that you and I speculated on in our last episode. So uh, excited to talk about the what's coming out of... Um, those stories that we touched on in our last episode. Yeah. So, uh, the biggest, uh, transfer portal news for Sunbelt in general is, uh, Grayson McCall officially entering the portal. Uh, you and I had talked about it on the last episode that he might have done so. And he officially put his name in, I think it was two, three days after we got done recording. Um, not a surprise with, with, uh, Jamie Chadwell moving on to Liberty, but a couple of weird things. Uh, number one, he apparently got uh, a little testy, apparently in a deleted tweet. Uh, there was somebody who tweeted him and said, Notre Dame would love to have you. And he deleted it later, but he wrote, look elsewhere to the mm-hmm. Notre Dame fan. So he's got no interest in going to South Bend. Yep. Um, there are reports out there that he reached out to new Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze directly. So they're, I guess, in talks uh, to, for him to land at Auburn. and uh, But the other weird thing is he's going to be playing in the bowl game for Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Um, their backup, Bryce Carpenter, got into some, some legal trouble, and I don't think they have another healthy quarterback on the roster, so they asked him to come back and play in the bowl game. Zeke, with, with everything going on, with McCall almost certainly out the door in Conway at this point. Um, what do you think this means for the future of the Chanticleers program? How much of a step back do you anticipate them taking, you know, going from Chadwell, McCall, you know, sort of that basis of, of their team, you know, the bedrock mm-hmm. going to, Tim Beck and question mark, question mark, question mark for their quarterback. I, it's just going to be, it's going to be a rough couple years as coastal kind of refines its footing. Um, I, I don't anticipate them uh, keeping up this trend. We've seen over the past three or four years of them being 
the cream of the crop in this uh, conference. And that's just because we've seen Coastal play without McCall. Uh, they played two games this year against Southern Miss and James Madison. And the offense, frankly, just looked really, really poor. Um, and then add on top that you're taking out one of the um, one of the more creative minds in college football. I think one of the, the hotter um, upcoming names within the coaching carousel. You take Chadwell out of the equation as well. I mean, those are the two guys that made that offense move. There's still going to be... Um, you know, there's still going to be offensive linemen. There's still going to be receivers. There's still going to be running backs. There's still going to be assistant coaches around from the old regime, but you're taking out the two most important parts of that offense. And I think coast, it's going to have uh, a long-term effect on coastal that obviously losing Chadwell is going to have the long-term effect, but you don't even get one more year to salvage with McCall. Uh, assuming he does go through and transfer, he can still, back out should he decide to so and we'll get we have a little bit more uh coastal related news uh as far as the portal goes just because they're with them losing chadwell their players have been the most active in entering the portal um i was thinking about this the other day i'm not arguing against the regular season success that they've had Mm mm-hmm Obviously, I mean, they, they've won, what, 31 games over the last three years, you know, since McCall came on in 2020. Right. I have to say, I think a little bit with the benefit of hindsight now, I don't know that, like, the McCall-Chadwell marriage was an ultimate success. And and as I mean, as far as, like, what they could have accomplished versus what they did. So, mm-hmm. like... In 2020, and maybe I shouldn't do this, but mentally I always do. 2020, they're supposed to play a a conference championship game against Louisiana. Um, That was obviously the COVID year. Coastal gets hit hard with COVID the week of the championship game. There is no game. The two teams split the conference title. As far as I'm concerned, I know that I'm sure they have a replica of the trophy in their trophy case somewhere. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, there was no conference champion that year because the game didn't take place. I hate okay. co-champions um, because, uh, again, like there was no game. So I'm like, I don't know. 2021, they lose to App late in the season, get knocked out, don't go to the conference title game. Um, so that, you know, is a wash. And then this year... The last two years, McCall's really kind of struggled with injuries. 2022, obviously, he gets knocked out late in the season with a foot. They go to the conference title game. He plays banged up. They get blown out by Troy. End of end of Grayson McCall's coastal uh, tenure. So do, do you agree with me a little bit there? Like, I can't argue with the regular season wins, but when it came time to kind of take that next step and be – I mean – they haven't won a conference championship on the field. Right. You know what I'm saying? I No, I, I agree with that. And what you said is not wrong. But my counter to that was, or is, I can't be upset at them because I feel like it's a lack. You only get three years, right? This isn't like we're looking at an NFL quarterback who's been with the program or team for six years and you look, oh, it's always a first-round exit. 
They only appeared in the conference championship game once out of three opportunities. Uh, the year that they didn't last year, the year that they didn't play in the conference championship or didn't qualify for it, they only lost two games. So I can understand the feeling of disappointment, but to call it a, uh, I would never go as far to call it like a waste of that relationship or that maybe we've over um, overstated how good this partnership was because in college football, all you really have is the regular season success to look at because there is no playoffs. There, There is a playoff, but especially for these G5 teams, there is no playoff. It's just the one game uh, conference championship and then whatever bowl game you qualify for. And that's just the nature of college football. Yeah, I, I guess my I guess the only thing that kind of takes the <clears throat> sting of it out a little bit for me of what you said is John Summerall just took a Troy team that had been five and seven or hovering around five hundred the last three years and just almost ran the 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 gamut and won all of the Sun Belt games and then crushed. Coastal in the conference title game. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The, the year before McCall came in, Coastal was five and seven. He comes in in 2020, and they win 11 games. No, again, I'm not arguing with the regular season stuff. Mm-hmm. I just mean like when you look beyond just winning regular season games, it's a little disappointing at the end of the day. I mean, like I said, they they didn't they never took home an outright conference title you can say what you want about 2020 and it getting canceled but there was no game you know ultimately they just essentially decided to tie and went home um i mean i don't know the, the last two seasons they've sort of crumbled at the end which is which is more of what i'm what i'm talking about uh, i get the feeling of there's more to be desired you want a conference champion. You really do want a conference championship from that pair. But college football is funny in that unless you were the cream of the cream of the crop on the national stage, all you really have to look at is regular season success. I guess the way I'm looking at it is like, I understand during those years and we'll wrap up the coastal talk here, Mm -hmm. but I understand what you're talking about, but you look at the years that App was like running the conference. They didn't make it look that difficult, especially at the end of the year. You look at, you know, 2020 and 2021, Louisiana didn't make it look that hard. I mean, they were in, they were, they split the conference title in 2020 with Coastal. And then 2021, they, they beat App. So it's like, all these other coaches, and maybe you can point to what the, these other coaches have gone on to do versus, you know, Chadwell taking the Liberty job. You know, Satterfield goes to, um, you know, Louisville and now Cincinnati. Drinkwitz is at Missouri. Um, you know, Napier's at Florida. And then Chadwell's at Liberty. You look at, like, what these other coaches have accomplished with when their teams were kind of at the top of the mountain, and they just – Coastal just never really did it, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the it's the point I was trying to make. No, I I get that. 
but again, I, I do. I think Grayson McCall and Jamie Chadwell probably the best quarterback coach duo we've seen in the Sun Belt, boring maybe Napier and Levi Lewis. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, and then the last little bit here uh, on transfer portal stuff, we're just going to hit these because we're already talking about Coastal. Uh, it was announced, uh, I didn't catch these last before last episode, but uh, Willie Lampkin uh, was a 2022 All-Sun Belt first team offensive lineman. He entered the portal uh, on the 8th. And then Josiah Stewart, I believe, was the preseason player of the year this past year. Uh, a 6'2", 235 edge rusher also entered the portal uh, right around when Lampkin did. So Coastal Carolina is going to have to rebuild on a number of fronts post-Chadwell. Uh, so let's go ahead and start talking about the, the bowl games coming up. Uh, let's get into this first one here. Friday... At 3 o'clock Eastern on ESPN, the Cure Bowl, UTSA, number 25 UTSA, takes on number 24 Sunbelt Conference champion Troy against Conference USA winner uh, UTSA. This is going to be a hell of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to be glued to this one because I think this has potential to not only be the best bowl game involving a Sunbelt team, but almost the best bowl game period. I mean, it could be the best bowl game period. I, I think it most certainly will be. Yeah. Uh, Troy got has has this stifling defense that we've talked about before um, that we've obviously talked about week after week after week. UTSA has this high-flying uh, offense led by Frank Harris, the, the quarterback for the Roadrunners. Um, Frank Harris comes into this game having a 31-7 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. Uh, but Troy, I guess, uh, you know, oddsmakers are giving Troy the edge with their defense and how, how great it is. Um, Troy's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 55-and-a-half. I'm going to take Troy, but it's more – it's not as much a slam dunk as it is – I'm just going to defer to the team that on paper has the better defense. I think that they'll be able to sort of contain Harris somewhat. I Mm -hmm. I don't think you can totally shut him down because he's been fantastic uh, the last two years, but they need to shut down Frank Harris. They need to shut down receiver Chikari Franklin, uh, who has 1100 yards and 14 scores this year. Um, They have, those two guys have just been lighting up, the scoreboard for UTSA this year uh, en route to a 11 and two season. I'm going to go with Troy, but man, like I said, this could be one of the best bowl games, if not the best bowl game period that, that we'll see. Yeah. I mean, this is the only, uh, the only bowl game that features two conference champions. Uh, none, none, none of the CFP doesn't not, nor do uh, any of the new Year's six. Um, I agree with you. I think Troy, um, is probably the best pick here just because you mentioned the names on offense for um, for UTSA, but Troy's just been shutting guys down left and right. And like the only blemish on their resume is when they allowed 28 to, or I'm sorry, 32 to App State, but they did that on a Hail Mary. There's no 
question in my mind that Trey isn't going to be able to hold UTSA to under 28 points. And just over the past three weeks, you look against Coastal, against Arkansas State, and Sewell Monroe, this is a Troy team that's scoring 30-plus. Just the numbers indicate that there is no reason for Troy to lose this football game. We may be looking at another uh, high-flying performance from Gutter Watson in the passing game mm-hmm. because as I sort of dig into uh, UTSA's defensive numbers, they allow 250 yards passing per game, and we saw in the conference title game that Watson, given the opportunity, can light it up. Yep. So also another interesting thing, like I know – I know that we talk about how good Troy's defense is all the time. They are only giving up 17 and a half per game this season. UTSA averages almost 39 per game. So something's got to give here. And I, I just, I don't know that they're going to be totally able to, like I said, shut Frank Harris and that offense out. Mm-hmm. I think that they're going to be, they're, they're going to be, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at UTSA's last couple games. They're going to be more competitive than like, Louisiana Tech and Rice and North Texas and stuff like that. Like, right. they're going to be right there with UTSA. So I'm going to take Troy just because, like I said, I, I'm going to defer to the team that's got the better defense. So let's get into this next game here. Uh, December 17th, uh, this coming Saturday, speaking of Rice, Rice is going to take on Southern Miss in the Linging Tree Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, Southern Miss is a six-point favorite. Rice getting into a bowl game at five and seven, um, kind of shocking, mm-hmm. uh, but you know is what it is. Um, we've talked ad nauseum about Southern Miss's offense and you know some of the shortcomings that they've had, but some of the the fact that they're able to sort of piece together and and put it together and you know, eventually they come out with a lot of these wins. I mean, they've been, even at six and six, they've been way better than I thought they were going to be, to be honest. Their defense is better than I thought it was going to be. And like I said, they just seem to piece together enough offense to win every week. Um, I think the edge that they have in this game is that Rice's defense is truly not good and they don't contain the run very well. Um, I think Frank Gore Jr., if he if he still play if he plays, I don't know what his status is but with all the crazy like postseason stuff that goes on with these players. But Rice has given up 167 yards on the ground per game. I think that they're going to be able to run the ball at will against the the Owls. So give me Southern Miss on this one. Yeah, I, I like that take as well, and I promise I'm going to try not to parrot everything you say uh, for all of these picks, but. I mean, Rice was five and seven, and that football team, admittedly, they beat UAB, they beat Louisiana, but they lost to Charlotte, lost to FAU. There are some ugly losses on this Rice team, and the only reason they're playing in this bowl game is because uh, their academic, their academics are so like good as compared to other teams. That's quite literally the only reason they're playing in a bowl game. Um, I agree that Frank Gore is going to have himself a game, um, although I think Jason Brownlee is going to have another big game as well. Uh, this is a team that allows over 200 passing yards, which you know isn't a ton, but is uh, quite a big number. 
looking at the over under 45 and a half, I do take the under here uh, just because Southern Miss has enough offense to piece together a win, but I, I don't think they're going to put up more than, you know, 27 and that requires 18 points from Rice, which I, I just can't really foresee. Yeah, Rice also not coming into this game with any momentum whatsoever, having lost four of their four of their last five to end the season. Um, yeah, I just I don't foresee this being this is not going to be a fun a fun game for Rice. No. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be like, oh man, we made a mistake. Uh, so the next game here, the following Monday, the nineteenth at two thirty on ESPN, we've got Marshall playing UConn, uh, resurgent UConn, back yeah. from the, back from the football dead UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl at the uh, at the uh, Coastal Carolina uh, Brooks Stadium. So. Marshall comes into this one with a dominant running game. Uh, they obviously don't allow very many yards defensively, which is a huge edge for them. Um, man, this is going to be I, – I think this is going to be that Southern Miss-Rice game, but on steroids for Marshall because, once again, UConn gives up 166 rushing yards per game. Um, they lost to Army – to end the season uh, and lost pretty bad too, 34 to 17. I think they have real, real problems stopping the run. I think uh, Kalen Laybourne and uh, Rasheen Ali are just going to absolutely run all over the Huskies. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Yeah. I mean, like Rice, UConn didn't have a spectacular year. Six and six, obviously enough for the bowl game, but I mean, their wins are coming over UMass. They're coming over Florida International, Fresno State, Central Connecticut. So it's not like this team was upsetting, um, you know, much better teams. And when they were playing really good teams, uh, I mean, they got shut out by Michigan 59-0. Obviously, no surprise, but they weren't even showing up in those sorts of games. I agree with you. I mean, Marshall is just, uh, between Laybourne and Ali, have been absolutely astounding. Maybe the best one-two punch I've ever seen in all of football. So I mean, if both of both Laybourne and Ali rush for over two hundred yards apiece, like that could feasibly happen. Well, I will say before the before the end of season loss to Army, they did defeat future and current Auburn coach Hugh Freeze's Liberty team thirty six thirty-three. So they they did have a couple of nice little wins on this schedule. I think it's just a testament to what a what a job that Jim Mora uh, Jr. has done with this team that they're even in a bowl game at all because, like I said, UConn's football program was on the level of, you know, another resurgent now team, Kansas, uh, UMass, uh, mm-hmm. Rutgers, when they don't have uh, Shiano. Like, they're truly typically one of the worst teams in the nation at the FBS level every year. So I think it's just a testament that they're in this bowl game at all. However, I think they're just going to be absolutely out outclassed. I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. Uh, Marshall's a 10-point favorite. I, I think I'd take the 10, honestly. Mm-hmm. A lot of points, but like I just don't see a way UConn's going to move the ball in that Marshall defense, and Marshall's just going to be able to run the ball with those two guys. So I think that's a pretty easy one. Um, 
Getting into this next one, uh, December 21st in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, we've got a, a high flying matchup here between Western Kentucky, who's eight and five, South Alabama, 10 and two. USA is a four and a half point favorite over under 56. I'm going to take the over in this one. Um, I, I don't, I think South Alabama will ultimately win this game, but if I was to bet, I would say there's going to be a fair bit of scoring, and I think that they're going to combine for easily over 56 because you look at um, you know Austin Reed, uh, the quarterback at Western Kentucky, 36 touchdowns, 10 picks. They love to throw the ball all over the field, mm-hmm. uh, almost 340 passing yards per game. Uh, South Alabama is more balanced, but they still you know manage to have some eye-popping offensive numbers. You know, the one real strength of South Alabama's defense is that they stop the run. Well, that's not really going to be an issue because Western Kentucky doesn't want to run it anyway. I mean, Western Kentucky's leading rusher has 496 yards over uh, 13 games. So this is going to be reminiscent to me of uh, when South Alabama played Georgia Southern. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I mean, Southern to a lesser extent than Western Kentucky, but also really love to throw the football this year. When those two teams played uh, USA and Southern, they uh, Kyle Van Treese threw the ball 45 times. And so I could see this game going in a similar route as um, that USA-Georgia Southern game where uh, Southern, you know, stuck around. They were in the lead for a good part of that game, right? Uh, and it was only the fourth quarter that – um, the Jaguars were really able to push it away. Um, I agree that I think South Alabama is probably going to come out on top. They, there was a, a good period of this season where I thought that South Alabama was the best team in the Sun Belt. Um, but uh, Western Kentucky is just going to throw the ball all over, and I think South Alabama is going to um, suffer for at least part of the game because of that. Well, I mean, statistically – you know, just based off record, South Alabama statistically was the second best team in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only lost one uh, conference game, and it was to Troy. They're the only other team other than Troy to lose fewer than two conference games. So, and I have a little side question for you on that. Yeah. Um, we never really talked about it, but I, I saw it get brought up, and I wanted to get your perspective on this. Do you think that we're going to get to a stage where the Sun Belt needs to eliminate the divisions? And the reason I ask that is because let's say you let's say this Troy team 
is as good this year as they will be next year. You know, mm-hmm. let's say we're they're hovering around, you know, eleven and two, twelve and one type of team. <clears throat> if you put them in the conference title game against James Madison or Coastal, and let's say that team is seven and five, eight and four, you don't want to risk your Sun Belt representative getting knocked out by an eight and four, seven and five team when if you have a team like South Alabama, who's also in the West, they're the second best team, but they can't compete because of the division system. Do you think that we're going to get to a stage where they just need to cut out the divisions for like the good of the conference overall? Like who would have, everybody would have rather have seen a South Alabama Troy rematch rather mm-hmm. than seeing coastal at that stage in the season and where they were at versus Troy. Don't you agree? I agree. Um, my one concern is that the divisions do exist for a reason, right? They're not just arbitrary. We need, we want to split this into two uh, two divisions. I would draw the comparison. I mean, you ever play fantasy football? And some leagues, for some reason, have divisions, even though that provides no. Like, was- there's nothing. There's no reason to. This is this isn't the case, right? There's travel reasons. It's an economic issue. Um, but also it's a large conference, right? So if you eliminate the the divisions, when you eliminate the divisions, it creates a scheduling issue because now you're kind of put in a position where you need to play an entire Sunbelt schedule. That's the problem the SEC is facing right now with um, with the incoming teams in the next couple of years. They want to get rid of the, the pods, but the issue is, well, now we're not going to play no, any – out of conference games, it's just going to be SEC. And for some of these teams that are flirting with the top 25, I don't know if that's desirable, right? If I'm James Madison, if I am Coastal from a couple years ago, if I am Troy this year, where you're flirting with the top 25, I don't know if playing a fully in-conference schedule is most beneficial for my national resume. Um so I personally would be uh, against eliminating the the divisions because I think they provide a they just make sense for these teams um, from a money standpoint it makes more sense uh, to travel shorter distances but also I think for the good of the conference and the good of the conference's national reputation I think it's better that you stick with this. Yeah, like I said, the the one the one argument against it that I've heard that I feel like is valid is that if you get a 2021 Cincinnati type team in the Sun Belt, like they're just dominant rolling through conference opponents should be, you know, maybe in contention for the playoff, but if not that bowl where the 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 highest ranked G5 team plays a representative from the P5. Mhm. And that team ends up getting knocked off by an eight and five team in the conference title game. Let's say like TCU did this year, even though they're a power five school, it just ends up mucking everything up, you know? So I just, I don't know. I, I see both sides of it, but I'm also like, I kind of like the chaos that it would bring just getting rid of the conference divisions totally. And just saying like, Hey, you know, <clears throat> Georgia Southern doesn't have to play, you know, Texas State every 
twice in a row for two years and then never play them again for another like four or whatever Mm -hmm. this is so like i don't know i just think the matchups would be interesting just constantly getting those teams kind of funneled in and out um but yeah so i think we both agree south alabama is going to win this game um so moving on uh december 23rd we've got Houston playing Louisiana in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, Houston seven and five, Louisiana six and six. Houston almost a touchdown favorite as of today at six and a half. Over unders fifty eight. I'm going to pick against the Sun Belt for the first time uh, on the on this episode. I think Houston wins this game. Louisiana, for my money, is too, too, too hot and cold. Mm-hmm. Um, one week they come out, they'll play like Georgia Southern or somebody like that. Absolutely, you know, house them. It's it's not a game, you know, see you later. But then they'll play like Southern Miss and lose by 15, and you're kind of left scratching your head going, well, how do those two things happen, you know, two, three weeks apart? Mm-hmm. So it's like... I I just I think Houston has the better coach with Holgerson than than uh, Louisiana does. I think they have the better quarterback with Clayton Toon. Um, they love to sling the ball all over the field. I think this is a bad matchup style wise for Louisiana, who struggles to manufacture a lot of offense. But Houston is that stereotypical like score a lot of points, let up a lot of points type team. But I just don't think Louisiana the offense doesn't come consistently enough for Louisiana for me to pick them in this one. No, I, I completely agree. I think Houston is equally volatile. Um, maybe not equally, but is volatile much like Louisiana is um, by nature of how they play. Uh, when you play score a lot, allow a lot, you're not really, that's not a super consistent way win football games and I mean we saw it to end the season Houston lost to Tulsa and I think Tulsa was had like four or five wins on the year total Tulsa fired their coach like two days after that game so yeah so uh, I think Houston is volatile much like Louisiana is however as you mentioned and as we've said throughout the season Louisiana struggles to score points um, especially in games where you think they should uh, are, are brought to mind the the Southern Miss game which they lost 39 to 24 uh the the Cajuns did so I I think Houston is just gonna you know drop 35 40 points on Louisiana and they're just not even gonna scrape that number uh I don't think the Cajuns have scored 40 all year save for a game against Eastern Michigan so uh, I like the pick for Houston um you know, looking at the over under right now because uh, I'm gonna tend to pick the under. Houston's gonna um, at 58. The number is Houston's gonna bear the load for a lot of those points, but I just don't know if Louisiana is gonna be able to pull their own weight in that regard. Louisiana did score 40 in the uh, the season finale mm. against Texas State. They won 41-13. Okay, I think a better. A more fun style matchup, and I understand how the bowls work and how they choose teams and all that. Mm-hmm. I think a more fun style matchup for this game would be like if James Madison was eligible. 
I think putting them up against Houston would be more fun. I think Coastal Carolina and Houston would have been more fun. I think mm-hmm. Georgia Southern and Houston would have been more fun. I think I just think like when you have two, if you could get two teams that just score a ton of points and don't play any defense, I mean. Houston played a 77-63 final score against SMU uh, early in November. So, like, I think if you got one of these teams that is high-flying, scores a lot of points, I think that could have been a really more interesting matchup. But, you know, it kind of is what it is at this stage. Um, So getting into the last two games, both of them will take place December 27th. The first one at noon on ESPN, Georgia Southern is taking on Buffalo in the Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. Georgia Southern's a three-and-a-half point favorite, over-under is 67-and-a-half. I think that uh, Georgia Southern's going to win this game, and I think it's more – it's not even that their offense is going to be, like, just completely overpowering a team like Buffalo – Mm-hmm. To, to me, it's more Buffalo is sort of like Louisiana in that they kind of struggle to generate offense. I mean, you look at so just to take you back, Van Trees obviously used to play for Buffalo uh, going back last year before he transferred. He had numbers that were I had real pause about him coming in, but mm-hmm. I guess it's just Buffalo's system. Um, you know, their their quarterback right now, Snyder. Buffalo, uh, 17 touchdowns, eight picks on the season. Um, their leading running back has 600 yards. Um, their leading receiver has barely cracked 700 for the season. They just don't, they don't move the ball very well. They don't score a ton of points. I think the way that the, the blueprint that a lot of teams against Georgia Southern have shown is to run the ball, own the clock, limit the amount of possessions Van Treese and, and the, the offense gets. And I just don't see Buffalo being able to do that in this one. So I'm going to take Georgia Southern. Yeah, so um, Van Treese, when he was at Buffalo, actually played in the Camellia Bowl uh, two years ago. And you talked about how the blueprint to beat Southern is run the ball. When Van Treese was at Buffalo playing in the Camellia Bowl, he had a guy named Jarrett Patterson. Who, oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, rushing for like 500. I think he ran for 400-plus uh, one game, ran for eight touchdowns in a single game. So Buffalo, not too long ago, was able to run the ball. But they lost Patterson. They lost Van Trees. Um, it, it's a very, very different program than was mi- winning the MAC, uh, you know, one, two, three years ago. So um, I, I think Southern's just going to outgun them. Van Trees is going to throw for, you know, 40, 42 times, eclipse 300 yards as he as he does, and Southern's just going to outgun the Bulls. Um, I, I just I can't really foresee any outcome other than that uh, between these two teams. Yeah, this is also Van Trees' last uh, college game, mm-hmm. so I think he'll be looking to go out on a high note and – like I said, if you can't move the football offensively, it's it, it sucks playing Georgia Southern because if you can move the ball offensively, you can really take advantage of how porous their defense is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just lost, I believe their best corner in Derek Canteen just entered the portal. 
uh, for Georgia Southern. So, you know, this would be an, even another uh, chance to take advantage of that leaky defense. But if you can't move the football, it's kind of a moot point uh, at that stage. So getting into the last bowl game we've got here for the Sun Belt, uh, 645 at, on ESPN, Grayson Call is going to suit up for Coastal in his final, what we assume to be his final game for the Chanticleers um, due to their backup, like I mentioned earlier, getting into some legal uh, trouble and not being able to play. I believe he's like one of one of the only quarterbacks left on the roster that's either healthy or not, you know, in legal trouble at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to play, surprisingly. Um I think this game is going to be a ton of fun because I think McCall is going to be out slinging it to show teams like Auburn uh, that they need, that he's the real deal and they need to, uh, you know, pick him up immediately. Uh, They have coastal has been soft on the defensive side of the ball this year. East Carolina doesn't play any defense, but they like to sling it with Holton Aylers. I think this is one's actually going to go over, 63 the total mm-hmm. um i don't know if Coastal's going to be able to end up pulling it out i think with mccall playing it is going to be closer than the eight points that they have slated uh for for east carolina but i think this is going to be a really fun game and i think uh it's going to be a ton of points yeah um i i think i take east carolina here um i agree with you that the the over 63 would probably hit but um even if they give the keys over to McCall and they let him sling the ball and he gets to kind of prove it to whatever schools might be eyeing him. Uh, I, I worry that Coastal is going to have a performance similar to how they had against Troy, where where everyone was checked out. They weren't even really playing football till the second quarter. Um, and, and even though they've got their guy, even though they've got a coach, um, I, I can I anticipate this team still being really checked out and really uh, sluggish, Re, you know, not fully in it. You're losing, as you mentioned earlier, Stewart, who's one of the best defensive players in the conference. I'm sure there's other guys who are saying, I really don't want to play this game. I, I think East Carolina comes away with this one um, closer than the eight-point spread, but I, I think I take uh, the Pirates. I think there's enough impact players on the offensive side of the ball for Coastal that are. Mm-hmm. this is going to be their last game dressing up in teal regardless. Like Sam Pinckney, I don't think, has another year of eligibility left, right? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay, so this is going to be his last college game. Who knows like what pro prospects he may have. McCall, like I said, is going gonna, is gonna to look to show out for uh, scouts you know, maybe maybe Auburn, maybe another Power Five school, but who knows? It's Coastal also gave up, you know, ninety-two points combined over their last two games. So I don't think East Carolina is going to have any trouble scoring. But like, you know, for example, in the in the second to last game of the season, well, let's talk about the last game of the season for East Carolina. They beat Temple, but it was forty-nine to forty-six. Mm-hmm. And then in the second to last game of the season. They lost forty-two to three to Houston, a Houston team that we, like we mentioned earlier, was playing games f- that had final scores like basketball, college basketball games. Yeah. So they struggled to put up points against them, but they were gi- they're giving up a ton. 
I just think that McCall and and Pinkney and guys like that, even with the losses they have to the portal, are just going to absolutely show out. So yeah. that's kind of where I stand on it. I don't know. You show me. You show me that Temple game or the Houston game, but then I show you Temple. I show you BYU where they outgun BYU. Same thing with UCF. Scored thirty four against UCF. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just I feel good with uh, East Carolina. I think. Um, Houston, despite, as we talked about, their defensive, uh, the questionability of their defense, I think that's just one game. You, you exclude that one. East Carolina's scoring some uh, reasonable numbers against reasonable teams. No, I know. I was more just saying that, like, their defense is not not sure. good. Uh, oh. So as we sort of wrap up here, uh, Zeke, give me one of the, one bowl game that you're sort of, you know, keeping a close eye on. Um, gosh, I, I think it's got to be that uh, UTSA game taking taking on uh, Troy because, uh, as you and I both said, that might be the best game. I mean, even looking at the college football playoffs, that might be the best bowl game we see, period. Um, and so I think that'll just be a really fun game. It'll be an opportunity for the Sun Belt to play a high-profile game on a national stage, I think a lot of people are going to be watching this one, and it'll be a good opportunity uh, for the conference and for Troy's program, but also the conference as a whole to kind of um, stake their claim, restake their national claim uh, that Coastal had a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that that game is going to be better than the playoff games because the playoff actually set up to be pretty nice as far as like matchups went, mm-hmm. but there are some power five like new year's eve ish bowls that i think are going to be duds to be totally honest that that i think utsa troy will blow out of the water like i'm looking at the orange bowl between tennessee and clemson aptly named orange bowl for this game mm-hmm. um you know hinden hooker's out you're getting a backup quarterback against clemson with a i want to say freshman in cade Klubnik. um so that's happening. You got Alabama, K State. Half of Alabama's roster is just going to opt out of this game. Like Bryce Young's not going to play. He's like going to be the number one pick in the draft. So there's just a lot of like big bowls that I think are going to that look like oh man, this is going to be can't miss on paper. And I just think UTSA Troy, all those guys are going to come to play. Um, that would be my pick. My second place game, I'm going to go with Western Kentucky, South Alabama. Uh, I think both of these teams score a ton of points. Um, and South Alabama, we talked about, you know, was the second best team in the Sun Belt. Western Kentucky set a bunch of offensive, you know, records and set defenses that they played on fire. So I'm interested to see how this one sort of plays out. Um, so, Zeke, as we wrap up here, Tell folks where they can find you on social media. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, talk about Sun Belt, Georgia State things. Um, there, you can find me at Zeke Palermo, Z E K E P A L E R M O. And Brian, I know you're on Twitter as well. Yeah, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Uh, that Georgia Southern bowl game preview will be coming probably before Christmas. Um, I'm not going to want to be writing it up the day before or the day after Christmas. So <laughs> it's probably going to be coming like that Saturday 
before the 27th, maybe. Yep. I don't know. Maybe the fr- maybe the Friday before, but either way. Um, so yeah, this has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. Podcast.